Welcome to Winning Is Not Everything, where we bring sanity back to youth sports by focusing on character development, effort, and sportsmanship, not rankings and trophies. I'm your host, Sean Jensen, former NFL reporter, children's book author, and youth sports coach. During a brutal Minnesota winter, I scored the perfect getaway, Sitges, Spain. There, I was able to watch my son train in a sport he loves, learn about coaching and teaching from an incredible coach and teacher, and meet some incredible people. Chase Brooks is one of them. So what stood out to me about him? Tune into part one of my conversation with Chase Brooks to find out. I've had the great fortune to be around some incredible leaders in many different capacities, including in the world of sports. During my time covering the NFL, I watched head coaches rise from well-paid employees to virtual CEOs of multi-billion dollar businesses. So it's not surprising that there were some massive egos that I came across. That's what really stood out to me about Chase Brooks, the head men's soccer coach at Duquesne University in Pittsburgh. We met at Tovo, a soccer training academy just outside Barcelona. Tovo, which is Dutch for total football, was founded by Todd Bean, American by birth, soccer schooled by experiences throughout the world and under the mentorship of one of the game's greatest figures, Johan Cruyff. We were at a coaching course to learn from Bean and one another. But let's be honest, my coaching experience paled in comparison to others, many of whom were coaching at the collegiate level, including a handful who were head coaches. But that's the thing. You couldn't be around or interact with Coach Brooks and not say that he wasn't humble, kind, and thoughtful. In part one of our conversation, Coach Brooks and I will discuss his childhood sports experiences growing up in Fort Myer, Florida, and the valuable lessons he learned growing up, including an incentive he earned but did not receive. Let's get to it. Well, I am so privileged to have Coach Chase Brooks on as my guest today. Coach, thank you so much for joining me. Appreciate it. I'm very happy to be here. Well, Chase, you and I got to know each other all the way across the world in uh, Sitges, Spain, through the Tovo coaching course. And I mean, we had so many dynamic coaches, obviously uh, put together by Todd Bean, who's just an exceptional teacher and coach. But I was just so struck by just how you carried yourself and just how you know humble you were and how much you enjoyed working with the kids. And so we had a chance to have a couple uh, touch points and meals together and really just wanted to have you on. So thank you for doing this. The first thing I want to start with, though, because it was hard to find out this information, but I'd love to hear about just what your experience was like growing up around the game. Yeah. um, So I grew up in Fort Myers, Florida, not really a hotbed of soccer talent. Um, You know, nobody in my family really played the sports. My parents weren't soccer people. Um, My dad played basketball. And so it was very interesting. But my older brother played it for like a season and then uh, kind of fell out of it, went into more of American football routes. But I kind of gravitated towards it. And, and, you know, it was it was so much fun. I mean, I, I just enjoyed the fact that I could just I could just play and just run and just keep moving. Um, I was definitely a, a, a younger, as a younger player, somebody who, who wanted to keep moving. I, I tried t-ball. I tried baseball. It just wasn't for me. It was too much standing around for me. I just love the game so much. I just fell in love with it and, and the opportunity to um, express myself and be around uh, friends and be outdoors was just great. So, What's your favorite childhood sports-related memory? 
you know, I, I've put some thought into that. And I, you know, I don't know if I necessarily have one favorite memory, but I think that, you know, a collection of things that I can think of is, you know, the celebration of goals, you know, to, to score a goal and to celebrate with teammates was always something that was just so much fun. Just the joy that, you know, because you know how hard it is to score a goal in our sport. And so just that joy that comes with scoring goals was just always something I remember the celebrations and making up new celebrations was just always something that I thought was so much fun. Did you kind of have a go-to celebration? You know, a lot of the pros kind of have their go-to celebration move. Did you kind of have one? I did. I did. It was awful. It was, um, looking back now, it's, it's embarrassing, but it was, um, it was almost kind of like riding a horse, but going in a circle doing so. It was kind of a, a, a galloping type of thing. But yeah, that was my kind of go-to as I, I was in the middle school. What was the coolest celebration that you did as a team? Oh, that's a great question. I, I did score quite a few goals in high school, so so I got I got a few of them out there. But I think that um, you know I got to a point where where scoring goals was something I expected and and something that I was so excited to do. So it was more of just the general excitement of just like this the yell of and then just the just the roar of that energy coming out of you was kind of more of what I, I really enjoyed once I once I hit high school and beyond. Hey, Chase, which coach encouraged and inspired you most when you were younger? So I had a coach when I was truly in the youth section. Um, there was an Argentinian coach, an ex-pro who came over and was kind of our, our trainer, so to speak. His name was Ruben Astagaraga. And Ruben, um, he just brought so much energy and it was just so much fun being around him. And, and he was extremely demanding but the energy was always positive. And, 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 and so I, I just remember that something that strikes me as something that was just somebody who kind of got through to me and then helped me kind of learn and grow along this path. And then, and then I give credit to my uh, high school coach I had as well, Brian Goschel. I thought he just did another extraordinary job, you know, because at that point I was kind of changing position as well. I went from more of a striker to more of a defensive minded uh, center back, outside back type of player. And so just for him to help me with that transition and, and again, to keep the game fun and then to show that it can still be fun and be done at an extremely high level with high standards was great to see. What was the most valuable lesson you learned through a challenger defeat? To not give up. Um, you know, we lose so much. <laughs> There's so many losses, um, obviously not just on the field, but in everyday life, you know, you you want a certain decision to go your way when you're applying for jobs. You know, you want a certain decision to go your way when you're fundraising or this or that. And and, and things don't always don't always go your way. And so, you know, the one thing that I learned pretty early on was to, to not worry about the things you can't control, um, but to focus on the things you can control and to just keep plugging away, just keep moving forward, keep working hard. I find that good things happen to good people, at least more often than not. And so that's kind of been my philosophy of things, just to keep moving forward and, and be as good a person as I, I possibly can and to, to lead by example. Can you think of an early sort of defeat that was really hard for you to take when you were younger and maybe took some time to understand what you could learn from that? Uh, actually, it's it's not even related to sports, um, but uh, it was I was told in fifth grade that if, if I got straight A's, I'd get a, a go kart. And it was something that, you know, at the time I look back and I'm like, oh, my gosh, that was been amazing. I wanted a go kart so bad. And then I, I did it. I got straight A's. I think it was the only time in my 
and then high school, high school, middle school, elementary school that I got straight A's, but I, my parents couldn't afford to get the go-kart. So I never ended up getting the go-kart, but ultimately I think it was, it was still a great lesson for me because, you know, just because you work, you work hard, just because you're told something is going to be a reward for something, it doesn't still guarantee that. Um, and just because you work hard, it still doesn't necessarily guarantee success on, on either end. So I think it was a good moment for me. And, and obviously I'm not, you know, I'm not still worried about it. Uh, the, the go-kart doesn't bother me. I think it was just a good, just, just grounding moment for me as, as a human. And then more so I learned at, you know, reflecting on it as I've been older, you know, had I learned in the moment, I still probably would have gotten more straight A's, but I, that didn't happen again until college. So, but no, it was still, I think a very valuable moment for me that, you know, just because you work hard and, and are doing things the right way doesn't necessarily guarantee that you're going to have the success and guarantee that you're going to get the things even if you've been told so. But it's still it's still right to work hard. It's still right to do things the right way. You talked about not getting straight A's a lot. I mean, is that maybe why your parents, you know, incentivize you to say, hey, we'll get you a go-kart if you get straight A's, not thinking you actually would get it or? It's possible because I was, I was always more interested in athletics than in school growing up. Now, don't get me wrong. I ended up basically a, a 3-0 throughout my entire career, um, whether it was, you know, being younger or being in college. Um, but I was always more interested in being outdoors, being on the field, playing. Uh, and it didn't really necessarily even matter what sport. I was just, just, I think, a very active uh, individual. And so I do think it was a bit of a motivating factor. I don't know if my parents thought I'd get there, um, but they pushed me forward in, in that sense. And I think they learned their lesson. Looking back, what was something you appreciated about your parents' influence on your athletic journey? I appreciate that they sacrificed so much so that I could play. You know, again, I didn't grow up with a lot of resources. And so the fact that my parents were able to sacrifice and then raise the funds, and I always had cleats and I had the shin guards that I needed. I had the, the gear I needed to play. Um, I was able to get from point A to point B, you know, because training took up a lot of time. And then there was one season where I played on two different teams. And then, you know, so again, just their ability to sacrifice because, you know, again, especially with, with having kids of my own now, you know, my wife and I have that battle weekly, as I'm sure you're aware, to, to be able to get your kids to the places they need to go is it's not always easy. And especially when, when work things pop up or, or life, just like we talked about earlier, life gets in the way on sometimes. So to be able to sacrifice that uh, was probably probably the, the greatest gift my parents could give me was just that ability to just keep me going and keep me pushing in the right direction with, with the athletic side of things. What's one thing you'd tell your eight, 12 or 16 year old self? Keep working hard. Be a good person and good things will happen. It's, it's funny, I, I don't think I've changed much in life, thankfully, from, from even when I was eight to, to now. I do think on the field, I'd go back and, and maybe at eight years old, focus my eight-year-old self more on decision-making, <laughs> the cognitive process. Where did you get that idea from? <laughs> so, you know, just as you continue to learn and you continue to grow and in and, and, and your sport, right, in the sport of soccer, we, we focus so much in this country on the technical aspect of things. And, and don't get me wrong, the technical aspect is absolutely something you need to have. You need to be technical enough to play the game, but, but you think of the best players in the world and, and they're the ones that are just elite when it comes to understanding space and time and, and, and the ability to make decisions in a split second. Um, those are the ones that, that make that impact. And then I just keep going back and back to the fact that again, as, as a country, we have not produced a superstar, a true superstar on a world scale. And to be the country that has the most resources and be one of the largest in, on the planet, that's, that's shocking to me. And so that shows me that 
you know, again, somewhere along the, the pipeline, we're doing things the wrong way. And so, you know, that's where, again, this education that I've had recently, obviously Todd Bean, who we mentioned earlier, um, has helped with that process, that education of just understanding that decision making needs to be at the forefront. And so, again, I, I think going back to my eight year old self and, and, and just focusing more on having fun and, and playing the game and learning from the game and making quicker decisions, uh, it, it's just absolutely vital. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Winning Is Not Everything. Please make sure to like the podcast and subscribe to the podcast so you can immediately get the latest episode. If you have any comments or questions, visit my website, seankjensen.com and go to the contact page where you can even leave me a voice recording. Winning is not everything, but the three H's to be a real hero in life are hustle, humility, and heart. I'm your host, Sean Jensen, and we'll see you again next time.